1: And Grayson and Weir are hashtag not committed. I love a good
2: train wreck. Hey,
3: hey, what up? This is Not Committed. I'm your host, Zach Barry. Joining me, like we always do at this time, big throwback Kanye voice there, Grayson Weir. Grayson, we've got uh, the Jackrabbits and the Friars doing battle right now in the first round of the NCAA tournament. This is, uh, you know, the joke that everyone makes, but I'm going to do it again because it's low-hanging fruit. This is the time of year when everyone remembers that True TV exists.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I was looking at the – actually, funny you mentioned that. I was looking at the Google Trends this morning um, and the, the spike for what channel is True TV uh has it kicked off on Tuesday with the first four games and then kicked off again yesterday with the other first four games, but then now it's already skyrocketing here on Thursday. Everyone's getting getting their true TV ready. Uh for those who don't watch impractical jokers have just no idea oh, what channel it's on.
3: The the one thing that true TV has that I discovered recently from a friend. Um Shout out to the homie Sarah. Uh, she introduced us to Fast Foodies, oh, which yeah, is I've seen that a pretty clever show where celebrities, comedians, actors, artists, whatever you name it, they come on the show and they they have this one guilty pleasure that they love from like a fast food restaurant or a fast casual place. And they have these um professional chefs that will recreate it in their own way. Um And so they have a clever contest that way. and It is not bad for someone that loves fast food and appreciates people that have, you know, hold things near and dear. Um, I appreciate that. That's, that's the only thing that I've ever consumed from true TV over the last decade. That wasn't instantly tournament related.
2: Yeah. I think that's the case for most people. You got a little impractical jokers, little fast foodies. They used to have that like lizard lick towing or whatever.
3: Oh Uh, man. i Totally forgot about that show. Yeah.
2: That one what, that one's uh, a throwback.
3: What a callback. Um, but yeah, uh, all right, let's jump into uh some recruiting talk here. Uh we're gonna slightly shift the agenda here. Um, just due to some relatively recent breaking news that happened last evening. Uh we were recording this on Thursday. Um Wednesday evening, though, Ole Miss was able to add yet another transfer portal prospect to the 2022 class that I think at this point is, is far and away the best for, you know, transfer portal class in the country. Um, SMU running back. One of the, one of the better names that I've heard in a long time, Ulysses Bentley, the fourth, um, from SMU announced via his Twitter that he would be transferring to Ole Miss. Uh, he entered the portal, um, earlier this week. It didn't take very long. Um, OM Spirit's ben Garrett reported earlier this week that Ole Miss was, you know, an early leader. Um, it was something to keep an eye on. There were rumblings that they were not only in the lead, but that Bentley was potentially leaning Ole Miss's way. Ben nailed it. He was all over it. Um, and, uh, Bentley announces his commitment two days later. Um, just running through some stats here before I throw it to you to give your, uh, for you to give me your take on the addition. Um, He ran for over 1,500 yards and 15 touchdowns of the last two seasons. He was a starter in 2021. Uh, He ran for 610 yards and nine touchdowns um, on 96 carries despite dealing with an ankle injury. Uh, He was second-team All-AAC in 2021 and uh, was first-team in 2020. Uh, He ran for the most yards in the conference and then set an SMU freshman record with 11 rushing touchdowns. Um, 5'11, 197. Uh it's kind of a, a lightning to the the thunder of Zach Evans, if you will. Very quick, good lateral movement. Um, has some home run speed and and some sneaky toughness there too, and can really run through some arm tackles. But uh, what do you think of the addition of Ulysses Bentley the fourth?
2: I think he's probably <clears throat> the first Ulysses, Ulysses, however you say it to play college football since like the 1930s. Um, And I think his name is super awesome. But as for his on-field play, I think the addition is exactly what Ole Miss needed. You lose, I believe, five out of eight of the leading rushers from last year, um, including obviously Matt Corral and all the running backs. And then you had a guy like Zach Evans, who like you said is kind of that thunder back. He's a little bigger, a little beefier, can, can run downhill more. Um, obviously has his breakaway speed as well, but then you add, you know, this SMU Bentley transfer in, and it makes me less concerned about the fact that Jackson Dart is going to be a young quarterback with not all that much experience um, coming in, because you can rely on Bentley and Evans to just carry the ball as a vicious one-two punch with. Quinshawn Judkins in the mix as well. So the three of them are going to make up for all of the loss in production between Jerrion Ely, Snoop Connor, Matt Corral, all the above that have exited the program since the last year, whether for transfers or graduation, et cetera. <clears throat> Bentley is the, was the missing piece. The offense was already going to be very good. Zach Evans is a five-star phenomenal running back. But adding Bentley into the mix, now you've got that lightning, like you said. He's quick. He gets up and goes. He will look at a defender square in the eyes and then just shake him. So he's not going to sit there and run you over. He's going to play games with you. He's going to snap ankles. He's going to outrun you. He's going to hit you with a stutter step. And my only concern, obviously, this team is, is so new to the, the system – there's a lot of new players and new additions, et cetera. You have to worry a little bit about the team getting together and gelling right out of the gate. But fortunately, Ole Miss is benefiting from such a um, well, what we presume to be a weak schedule to start the year. So it allows these running backs to get in a rhythm. It allows Dart to figure out, assuming that Dart wins the job like we think he will, to figure out what he's going to do. Um, so Bentley is just a phenomenal addition that really couldn't have been a quicker decision for him. I, I don't think anyone expected him to make a decision as quickly as he did, but it sounds like the second he entered the portal, and the second that almost reached out to him, he saw exactly what everybody else sees with this addition to where he can be that third down passing back if he needs to. He can be that early down speed back where you want to run the RPO to the outside and you get him the ball in space and have him streak down the sideline. So it, it really could not have been a better move from just a, oh, this team gets a lot better. But not only does it get a lot better by the addition, it it fits so well into what Ole Miss is going to be doing with Charlie Weiss's offense next year and what Ole Miss has done under Lane Kiffin that, I mean, I, I think it's just such a phenomenal get for the Rebels that obviously on paper, people think it's good um you know back-to-back years where you're running for 1500 combined yards is impressive uh but he was dealing with a little bit of injury last year didn't break the thousand yard mark in 2020 but he he has the real potential to go over a thousand in 2022 even with zach evans back there so pretty pretty awesome for lane kiffin to really just Put the exclamation point, point. and I don't think this will be the last edition. I bet we get a couple. Ole Miss gets a couple more between now and and August. But for him to get that real exclamation point on the off season right before spring ball, getting a guy who will come in and just blow everybody away with his speed is is pretty spectacular.
3: Yeah, I think that that's slept on with how important it is for the addition of not only Bentley that happened on Wednesday, but Zach Evans as well. And then you have someone that's been in the system. They know what is expected of Lane Kiffin in this offense and Kentrell Bullock. Um, I think it's crucial to the transition for Jackson Dart, who, you know, was thrown into the starting role a year ago when Keaton Slovis went down. Um, So he's never really been a wire to wire starting or starting quarterback in the power five, but um, you know, true sophomore, He's going to have some growing pains. He's learning a new system. Luckily, he's already on campus, so he's going to be able to go through spring practice, go through every install, every film session, all that, and, um, you know, working with a guy in the same room and Luke Altmeyer that, again, knows what's expected and can help him out. I think it's huge that they have two running backs that are, you know, multiple years under their belt. And I just think that we all know that Lane Kiffin loves to run the football. Um, and I think that being able to establish a run game very early in the season to kind of ease Jackson Dart into being the starting quarterback for Ole Miss. I think that's very underrated. And I think people need to remember that and, and kind of, I don't know, ease your, your your stress or ease your anxiety for what it's going to be like in 2022 um, and, again, you you mentioned it, too, and I think this is also crucial, is that somewhat cushy first six games on the schedule. So um, I think that all of that will will all work in tandem in getting Dark comfortable in the offense, getting Zach Evans, Ulysses Bentley the fourth comfortable. Um, I think that that's what's so crucial um, for this offense in 2022. All right. Yeah, there's
2: no doubt about it.
3: Yeah. All right, let's take our first break here from the sponsors. And then when we come back, we are going to talk more recruiting. We're going to jump into a 2023 quarterback prospect that is starting to really shoot up the board. So hang tight. We'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Lamar Yard, Oxford's indoor-outdoor restaurant, bar, and entertainment space on South Lamar. They now have an updated menu with non-barbecue options from Tex-Mex to Mississippi Delta Catfish to smash burgers. And you can contact Lamar Yard for your private events for the spring and summer. They have a dedicated event coordinator who will help you plan your event from start to finish, and they offer on-site catering. From weddings to Greek parties or corporate events, Lamar Yard is the perfect place to host your next party. Lamar Yard is Oxford's quintessential family and pet-friendly venue, and they look forward to hosting you soon. Check them out at lamaryard.com. And if you want a place for clever dishes and captivating cocktails, look no further than So Wild and South Lamar. Chef Erica and her committed team of food and beverage enthusiasts are bringing top notch cuisine and libations to you six days a week. Whether it's happy hour three to six, fresh squeezed margaritas, ramen, two for one with Moscow mules, all of that and more, the best and brightest in house or via curbside pickup. Check them out, solahoxford.com or call them at 662 238 3500 and place your order today. Show also brought to you by Memphis restauranteer Kelly English and his restaurant group in Memphis, Tennessee. The renowned chef and his team are offering nationwide shipping and virtual cooking classes with Cooking with Kelly. You can learn more about the nationwide shipping at irisetc.com and you can also book a virtual cooking class online at table22.com slash iris. Kelly English Restaurant Group in Memphis, second line restaurant iris and the Magnolia House down on the coast in Biloxi. Show is also brought to you by Cherokee Valley Golf Course in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Get on over, see Cody Allen and the rest of the crew, take on their challenge of the wide plush Zoiza Fairways and Large Championship Review to Greens. They've got two putting greens to hone in your game with the flat stick, the driving range, and a chipping green to tighten up that short game. Book a tea time online at olivebranchgolf.com or give them a call at 662 893 4444 And we are back here on Not Committed. The Jackrabbits and the Friars have gone to halftime. Providence is up eight there. Ed Cooley and Providence took a a shot in the chin there. I don't know if you're watching this. Uh, The Jackrabbits came out throwing some haymakers. Friars were able to uh, weather that storm. Uh, Colorado State is up on Michigan at the half as well. All right, I teased it before the break. 2023 quarterback prospect Marcel Reed. I said he's shooting up the boards. Um, Ole Miss has been in the been in the running for him. They offered him a while ago. He's been down to Oxford several times um, recently. Uh, over the weekend at the Pylon Seven on Seven event, he was there competing with uh, Tennessee's Seven on Seven. Um, group and uh really shined on three national analysts. Jeremy Johnson saw him, was really impressed. Um, and he spoke with Ben Garrett about it uh on the recruit check, a uh podcast that is in association with Talk of Champions. You can find it wherever you find this podcast. Um, and again, hey, great time to remind you like, subscribe, leave a review, do it for both. Talk of Champions, do it for them, um, the whole channel. Uh, like, subscribe, leave a review for us. But um, Jeremy Johnson talked with Ben Garrett about um, Marcel Reed and and his showing there, uh, the four-star quarterback from Nashville, uh, Montgomery Bell Academy. I think, this is my opinion, I'll ask you. I I think that he's kind of under the radar in terms of 2023 signal callers, not because of the skill set or the frame. You know, he, he is exactly how you want a power five quarterback to look um you know i think that he is somebody that will you know get into a strength and conditioning program and will continue continue to grow but 62 180 that's about you know as good as you can you know that's kind of the baseline right now with with quarterbacks you know anything bigger is is plus plus but 62 180 is is pretty solid he could probably play at 195 200 but I think it's because he plays in a pro style run heavy scheme at NBA in Nashville. Um, and even though he does play in that, he's thrown for 4,100 yards and 35 touchdowns in three years in high school. Um, so uh, Marcel Reed talked with Jeremy Johnson um, and uh, had some really nice things to say about all this. He said that coach Kiffin has brought in a lot of energy to that program. He said, quote, their offense is electric. They brought in Jackson Dart from USC, which is going to be a fun thing to see this season, to see how they play with the offense they had this year, as well as the air raid they're bringing in from USC. He also went on to say it's really nice out there and Oxford is a great place to be. Um, and then when Jeremy went on the show with Ben, um, he said, quote, he's athletic. and he can run around, but he doesn't have to. A lot of kids rely on their athletic ability a lot early. And Marcel Reed, his father was a coach. He's really football savvy. And at the next level, that'll be elevated even more. So I think that that's an interesting thing that Jeremy said was that he has the ability to move and, and, and evade the rush and use his legs to create. Um, but he's mature in his approach to going through progressions, stepping up in the pocket, reading, you know, that pass rush and not panicking. Um, I think that that was something that stood out to me. Um, what's your take on a uh, Reed's game?
2: So again, I say this every time I practice it. I don't like making direct comparisons because I think they set lofty expectations. They don't always,
3: um, and I already told you mine and I feel like I nailed it, but go ahead. Sorry. Uh,
2: No, I think, I think you're onto it. You should, you should share yours as well because I think you're correct. Um, but the way I would kind of explain Marcel Reed, and I told you the other day that I hadn't done my due diligence on Marcel yet. I've gone back and I've watched a lot of his tape on Huddle um, over the last couple of days as he's been trending upward. And now I'm going to say a blend of three guys here. And again, they're lofty. So not always like completely accurate, but it's going to make sense once I explain it. So I'm going to give you a blend of Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson. And Aaron Rodgers, so I'll give you those three, and I'll break down why
3: for all three. Oh my god!
2: For long, for Lamar Jackson, he's able. Hopefully,
3: Marcel- just Aaron Rodgers on the field. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> for Lamar Jackson, he has the ability to really just kind of get up and run around if he needs to. To where, if the pocket collapses, if there's nowhere to go, he's got that like stupid twitch to him where he's probably one of the twitchier high school quarterbacks I've ever seen um Marcel that is and Lamar was the same way and he can get up and he can run and he can break down the field um Russell Wilson I say because kind of like you said he's very very agile and very good at creating opportunities something that Russell Wilson does really well is escaping the pocket and looking keeping his eyes downfield looking for opportunities and continuing to play in that direction. Um, Marcel Reed does the same. And then Aaron Rodgers in terms of, he has a lot of that same touch to the ball to where he's not going to be the best deep ball thrower you've ever seen, but he's going to put it where only his guy can get the ball. He can kind of drop a dime into a bucket. And like you said, with that run heavy scheme over at NBA he's getting overshadowed with his arm and he's being considered like this fast twitchy guy, but he has a very strong arm. Um, and he can put balls in places that other people can't, I guess, tight precision is what I would go ahead and say there just very consistent with his delivery um, able to hit receivers and stride on the deep ball has good range um, in terms of like, he's very accurate w- with his short, over the middle passes, but then he can really find those deep targets on the sidelines if he needs to and throw up a jump ball to where only his guy can get it, like I said. And I'm impressed with his arm motion, which is something that I think maybe has caused this, um, I wouldn't say meteoric rise, but I would say this significant rise over the last couple of weeks in Marcel's um, interest and stock is because he's got a really high release point and and extends his arm all the way when he throws downfield and has the ability to get over the top and add that extra height to his throws for someone who is only 6'2". I say only because we're comparing him to a guy like Vazina, who's a lot bigger, but he's able to get his extension up and add that extra height to his throw after setting his feet, Um, like Russell Wilson, like when he gets out of the pocket and is forced... To either side, Russell Wilson does a very good job of setting his feet, setting his body, setting his shoulders, and still making a confident throw rather than just making a throw on the run. So I like a lot of what's coming with Marcel Reed's game. Um, and I think that now that we are in this class of 2023 cycle, he's getting a lot of the tension that he deserves. Um, four-star guy, so obviously he's not flying completely under the radar but he's very poised, has a good pocket presence and a lot of weapons in his arsenal.
3: Yeah, and a really accomplished athlete as well. Plays point guard for NBA, talented guy there. Plays for, um, I believe, the, the EYBL team in Tennessee that's, that's very good on the AAU travel circuit. Um, also a phenomenal track athlete as well. Um, competed in the high jump. Um, for NBA, but yeah, I mean, he went on further when he talked to, um, or, or excuse me, when when Jeremy Johnson spoke with Ben Garrett on recruit check, part of Talk of Champions, he said, "quote, playing in a system like what Lane Kiffin runs over there, that's a lightning in a bottle situation for a guy like him." And I think that that Jeremy Johnson's alluding to what we're both talking about, and, and just his mobility, his you know, just an innate knack for making plays when everything breaks down getting out of the pocket keeping his eyes downfield not panicking and just trying to tuck in and run immediately when he can he has the ability to um but i mean he showed the the athleticism a year ago he ran for 593 yards and 12 touchdowns in 2021 led nba all the way to the uh tennessee division two AAA title game um you know you gave your comparison mine it's a bit of a throwback there might not be a lot of people. Um, depending on your, on where you fall in the age group category. To me, I don't know what it was. It was just something immediate with watching him on film and his gait and how he ran. Dennis Dixon of Oregon jumped out to me.
2: I think that's really good. We talked those about that, this yesterday. I think it's spot on.
3: I mean, those of you that don't remember, he was an electric explosive player in Chip Kelly's system at Oregon was, was, I think, honestly, I can't remember. I'd have to look, and that would be, you know, I guess you could effort it while I'm talking here. I can't remember how many games he got into uh, before he had a torn ACL that unfortunately ended his season at Oregon. But, I mean, he was the far and away just running away with it favorite for the Heisman that year. Um, But, yeah, just a very similar effortless arm action. Can easily whip it downfield if he needs to. But, just yeah, just very nonchalant unassuming way of just evading pressure and um, throwing on the run and being accurate when he does it. Um, You know, we've talked a lot about Chris Vizina. He was there in Atlanta at the pylon event and Johnson said, you know, he wowed and was, was really advanced in how he looked. And he said that Reed was right there with him. He said that he was, you know, in command of the offense. You know, I know it's seven on seven, it's not a real game, but that's just part of recruiting. Now that's what, Kids do. And, and he said that he was impressive. Um, he said he stood out and um really popped with how he threw the football. Um right now, I like Ole Miss's chances with Reed. They're obviously going for Vizina, they're going for Arch Manning. Um I, a lot of you might have missed it. I put it in the recruiting daily thread last night. Uh Nico, I am Oliva, um, looks to be leaning pretty hard towards the vols. Um, a commit could be coming at any moment. Um I just think that's a good fit there for what he likes to do. And Josh Heupel and have done a nice job. I think Ole Miss has moved on from I am Oliva. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's Arch, it's Azina and Marcel Reed. And uh, along with Ole Miss, I think uh, Florida, Georgia, Clemson's in it. Um, He took a visit to Clemson. Um, I don't believe they've offered him yet, but he mentions Georgia. Ole Miss and Arkansas are the three that are recruiting him the hardest right now. Um, Alabama's offered him, Louisville's offered him, Indiana, AM, Vanderbilt. He's got an impressive offer sheet. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like Ole Miss's chances right now for Reed. Um, I I might even go as far to say that if he wanted to commit, I think they would accept a commitment. I think that he's shown enough on film. He's shown enough um throwing for them in person. Ole Miss, um, Lane Kiffin and Charlie Weiss Jr. came up to see him a couple months ago right after the dead period was over. They came to Nashville to, to NBA to see him. And, yeah, I mean, I think right now it's kind of a, you know, who's going to commit first type situation for Ole Miss. I think they love both Vazina and Reed, and and they would love to have either one um, in this recruiting class. I don't know if they would take both. I I don't think we're there yet. Um I mean, I think they would take both, but I just don't know if both would commit to Ole Miss. Um, Now, it could be a situation because of the timeline. We've talked about it a good bit. It lines up to where Jackson Dart probably plays his final year in Oxford in 2023 and heads to the NFL draft. You know, perfect scenario, best case. Um, And then, you know, if you have those two guys on the roster, they just duke it out to see who's the starter in 2024 after um, a redshirt year or just, you know, a true sophomore year. But, yeah, I, I think that, Marcel Reed is definitely a name to know moving forward if you're an Ole Miss fan. And, um, you know, he's, he's right down the road from both of us. So I'm excited to see what he does as a senior.
2: Yeah. And he came out and said uh, a little while ago about his recruiting process. Now, I don't know if he is one of those guys where he wants to get in and start right away. I don't know whether that matters to him or not in the same way that it does for some other quarterbacks around the country. Um, But he has said in the past quote, this recruiting process in general, I feel like whoever is ahead of me is ahead of me. I don't really care for rankings or things like that. I've talked to my dad about it. If the school is sh- really showing interest and they like me, it doesn't really matter who's in front of me. I know they are re- If I know they are really interested and are really buying into recruiting me, then I have a shot at being the quarterback at their program. So what he's kind of saying there, at least to me. Is that he's not worried about the fact that he is kind of flying under the radar a little bit. He's gonna to go to the program where he thinks they are most interested and most invested in him. And as you've said, and as you know, I've been able to see over the last couple of days, really the last couple of days, but over the last couple of weeks, um Ole Miss is investing a lot of time in Marcel Reed, mm-hmm. more so than they were even six, eight months ago. And so if the process comes down to feeling wanted for Reed. I think Ole Miss has changed their tune on him to where they kind of had him on the maybe the back burner. I think they've now put him onto that front burner right alongside Chris Vezina. Um, and again, I think whomever of the two commits, if not both, uh, Ole Miss would be happy to have. I think they would prefer... Vizina, but I do not think that Marcel Reed is anything you know, to scoff towards or to be disappointed about if he is the only quarterback to, mit- to commit in this class. Um, he's a diamond in the rough, if you will. He's ready to get to the collegiate level, ready to get in the weight room, a year developing as a bigger guy to live up. I really like your Dennis Dixon comparison as a more direct comparison. Obviously mine was kind of more overarching and big mm-hmm. names just to, to to give that comparison. But I think Dennis Dixon makes a lot of sense. And he played at six three, two fifteen. Um uh, Marcel Reed's probably closer to six two, six one, depending on where you look and what actually his measurement comes out to. But if you can get him playing at 200 205, he adds that extra layer of not only will he shake you in the open field because he's going to shake you in the open field, but he could also, you know, be that guy similar to a dart, similar to a Matt Corral, where he could put his head down and challenge defenders head on. If he can put some weight on and get in the weight room and get some muscle on, on his frame, which I think is, you know, typical of a high schooler. But in these days, we see these quarterbacks coming out of high school who are just massive. and. Marcel Reed is not one of them, but he could become someone who plays at 6'2 to 100. And I think that would be very valuable for him and for Ole Miss to have such a mobile quarterback in a system and a offense that really values that mobility. And Reed would be a good fit. He really would.
3: Yeah. Last thing before we take our final break, I like what you mentioned about that quote about him and his recruiting process and how he's approaching it. And again, I mentioned it. He is a son of a former college coach. uh, So you know that he and his parents are going to take a very um, mature approach to how they go about the whole process. And they're going to, you know, really comb through what fits best for for Marcel Reed and and what system fits best, what coaching staff they like, what you know atmosphere, vibe, culture, whatever you want to call it, whatever favors him and puts him in the best position. Um, But yeah, I like Ole Miss's chances, and um, he is a name to keep an eye on as we head into spring and summer. All right, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, one final segment before we bid you adieu, Michigan, Colorado State, in a good one here. The Rams are up one. Michigan is making a little run here. Um, So, final break. We'll come back. Hang tight. podcast also comes to you thanks to bluff city advisory group memphis's leading team of finance professionals they can provide advanced assistance with financial planning pension and qualified plan support and business and estate planning strategies former Ole Miss rebel and founding partner ben still along with his elite level customer service team make it their goal to help you meet the ongoing demands of your financial needs learn more about them at bluffcityadvisory.com podcast brought to you by the Barry home team you're ready to sell and make the most net profit from your home, call Stacy and Rick Barry today. They will lead you through the process from property assessment, repairs, staging, and putting that sold sign in your yard. Both have earned the multi-million dollar club member status and they would love to assist you today in your real estate ventures. Call them, 901-481-6420 or 901-461-6421. After you have talked to the Barry home team, You can talk to Saddle Creek Title, another proud sponsor of the show. They're the Mid-South's leader in client-focused, innovative closing solutions. Neil Hanna and his team are more than just a real estate closing firm. They are dedicated to going the distance to ensure the ease and growth of your real estate business. Find more information at saddlecreektitle.com or call them, 901-753-1600. Show brought to you by Davis McCord State Farm. If you're looking for good neighbor service and surprisingly great insurance rates, look no further than Davis and his team. They're your one stop shop in Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Mississippi for the service you deserve at the price you want. So stop looking around, give Davis a call, he is ready to help. 901 755 6110 and get your surprisingly great rates today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
1: The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages. Passing and rushing yards. Three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills, so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the old Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you.
0: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
3: And we are back here on Not Committed. Zach Barry, Grayson, we are with you. All right, Grayson, last thing. We We won't go too long here. I just have some things that I want to get off, get off the old chest here. Um, Heading down to New Orleans, then driving to Baton Rouge this weekend for Elite 11, uh, the regional that is being held at Parkview Baptist High School. Um, Excited to get down there, see some guys throw in person, go through the pro day drills, work with the counselors, work with the coaches. Um, Still at this point, I think it's unlikely that Arch Manning is going to be competing Um, he is scheduled to be in Athens tomorrow for a visit. Um, it's certainly feasible that he could get back down to Louisiana and get over to Baton Rouge and compete on Saturday. But uh, at this time, I I don't think he is. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to give my, my, my spiel here and then I'm going to let you give a rebuttal or tell me if you agree, disagree. I find it, And this is in a recruitment where right now it does not look like Ole Miss is in the driver's seat at all. I think they're in the running. They're going to be a finalist until it's done. But for now, I don't think that Ole Miss is in a spot to get Arch Manning. So I don't want this to come across as sour grapes. This is just a black and white opinion on the recruiting process and competing. Arch Manning, to my knowledge, has not been to a camp yet. He has not competed um, at any of the Under Armour next camps. He's not been to a pylon event. And then as of right now, he will not be at Elite 11 in Baton Rouge. There are several regionals. He can get to any of them and compete for a chance to be in the Elite 11 finals that's in LA later this summer. It, I'm of the opinion, I think this is concerning. I think that if you're the number one overall player in the country, You are, by most experts, the number one overall player in the country, the number one quarterback in the country. I don't understand why you do not want to go and compete and prove that you're number one. And and not only that, but just go and compete. I think that it's, it's bizarre that he has yet to do that. Now, I don't know if this is a, he wants to avoid the whole circus of being out and doing interviews. And again, you can go and compete and just not do interviews um I don't know if it's that I don't know if it's just he's not wanting to compete at all he's got other things he wants to do this summer like take visits to Georgia or take visits to Texas I don't know I and again I don't know if it's his decision I don't know if it's his parents his family his coach from from Isidore Newman I don't know but this is just me talking out loud here as a person on a podcast that covers recruiting I think that it's bizarre that he would not as a high school quarterback as a high level talent i think it's weird that he doesn't want to go and prove that he's one of the best i i just i don't understand it and i think that and look to my knowledge in the history of elite 11 if you do not compete in a regional you cannot get an invite to a to the to the finals you have to compete in a regional now maybe that's something that is just not on his radar maybe it's something that he doesn't want to to do he doesn't care to compete in the Elite 11 finals but again as someone that's a five star that's labeled as the next big thing i just find it odd that he has yet to go and compete and not only to you know maybe there's something deep down i mean arch from from all accounts is a very you know quiet you know, I don't know if it's shy, but he's just very, you know, laid back. I, you know, maybe he doesn't have that in him. You know, that 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 grit, that that drive to go and and you know, hey, I'm gonna go out and prove that I'm the best and and I'm gonna outshine everybody. Because Ole Miss fans know the quarterback that was just there for a couple of years, Matt Corral. He has that. You think Matt Corral wouldn't go to the Elite Eleven to prove? No, Matt Corral did. He went to the opening. He won the long toss competition. He was very driven to go and compete against Trevor Lawrence and the other quarterbacks there and show that, that he was legit and he was one of the best in the country. Maybe I'm off here. I don't know. I, I want to hear your thoughts, but I think it's very weird that he does not want to do that, especially at a place where it's just right down the road from him and it would be easy to go over there on a Saturday and throw and, and compete.
2: I think weird is a good word. I don't really understand it either. Um, I guess I do understand, assuming that this is what's going through his head and his his the head of those in his camp, um, I get it to some extent, assuming that maybe he is worried about a lose, losing the Elite 11. We know that if he goes and competes at a regional, he's going to be invited to the final. Even if he has the worst day of his life, at an Elite 11 regional, he's Arch Manning. He's going to be in the final. But once he gets to the final, there are some guys in this class, Malachi Nelson, uh, Nico. There are some guys in this class who could beat him and win the Elite 11. And Arch, may, there's a chance that Arch may not even be first or second. He could end up being the third guy. In the Elite Eleven, when it's all said and done, so I have to wonder if maybe it's just easier from an optics standpoint to just say, "Oh, I've been so busy, blah 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 blah." You know, it just wasn't on my radar. Instead of going and getting beat, because if he goes and gets beat, then that's all anyone's going to talk about because that's the media cycle. It's it's Arch Manning, mm-hmm. Arch Arch Manning. And while I say that as maybe playing the devil's advocate here for, okay, it actually would be worse, in my opinion, if he was to go to the Elite 11 and lose than it is if he, it just sits out and blames it on visits and all the stuff he's got going on in his life. That's just the devil's advocate side of things. I think it's strange too. I mean, that is the creme de la creme for High school quarterbacks, and he's just choosing not to do it. And like you said, you know, maybe it's the fact that he doesn't want to interview. He doesn't want to do the whole media circus before he has to, because he's going to have to once he gets once he gets to college. And they're just not doing that right now. So I wonder maybe he doesn't want to do all that. But then that's even a worse look for me. I think if you go and don't do the interviews. I think that would be a weird thing to where it's like, dude, just just sit there and talk. You know, it doesn't have to be a long time. So I don't get it. I almost wonder if even, okay, you don't want to compete in the Elite 11, fine. But maybe you go and you field questions as to why you're not competing. Um, Perhaps the standpoint is just if we stay quiet like we have throughout this entire process, we being the Manning family, if we just keep our profile low and, and stay quiet and fly under the radar as best as we can with how big of a name that he is, maybe that will just be the case. You know, Maybe they will just be, okay, he didn't compete. Let's move on to the guys who are competing rather than making the story about how he didn't compete. I don't know. I've been trying to wrap my head around it since you said that because you're right. He's going on a visit this weekend. It it doesn't seem likely that he's going to turn around, fly back home, and compete in the Elite 11 after being – is he going to Georgia or Texas this weekend? Wherever he is. Is
3: He's going to Georgia this weekend.
2: Okay, so fly back from athletes and turn around and compete. That's a very difficult task. But he knew when the Elite 11 regional was – He knew it was in Baton Rouge. He could have just scheduled his Georgia visit for a different weekend. So it all, I'm with you. It's weird. Weird is a good word. Um, I don't know the reasoning. You don't know the reasoning. We may never know the reasoning for him not to compete in Baton Rouge, assuming that he isn't, but we don't think, at least I don't think he's going to come up and throw in Nashville unless maybe for some reason he wants to like wait after the spring practices and compete in May, when you know he, he's closer to the end of the school year, maybe he comes up and wants to like throw in Trent Dilfer's backyard, but that seems weird to me too. Like it just doesn't really make any sense as to why he wouldn't compete. And I'm of the belief: yes, Arch Manning is Arch Manning. Yes, he's one of the top eleven quarterbacks in the country, whether he throws in a regional or not. I think if you don't throw in a regional, you shouldn't get an invite, and so I just not either. Yeah, I mean that
3: that would that would set an incredibly bad precedent. Exactly, and so I hope that. And it's not this, fair to the other guys that compete.
2: Not at all. If I was the eleventh guy, and then I got bumped because Arch was invited over me, even though he didn't throw in a regional, I would be
3: pissed. Um, oh, I'd I'd go score shirt on social media. I'd be livid.
2: Yeah, it would not be a good look. So hopefully that doesn't happen hopefully arch i mean I, I in an ideal world he just throws this weekend keeps it simple he's in baton rouge it's done and over with he gets his invite to the final he can turn his focus to visits and then focus on competing in the elite 11 this summer in a less ideal world but still an ideal world he just shows up in Nashville and throws you know competes well yeah. interviews so we can well. both go and,
3: and drive yeah well watch. that
2: too that would be pretty cool um, I mean, there's still I just, plenty of there's plenty of chances.
3: I mean, if he they already had one in Orlando, if he doesn't go to Baton Rouge, there's Dallas, Atlanta, Ohio, Vegas, Nashville, D.C., and then L.A. in June. So yeah. if you if you kind of look at. Where he potentially I mean, maybe he schedules, I don't know, I was gonna say maybe an official visit to Georgia in April and then goes to that regional. Um, I really don't see anywhere else on the regional schedule that coincides with his finalist at Dallas is at March 27th. Maybe he goes and competes in that and then goes to Texas. I I don't know. Um, And, you know, this is just all, you know, conjecture. This is just my opinion, your opinion for all we know he's scheduled to go to one of the regionals and we just don't know it yet. Right. Um but yeah, I mean maybe in the back of his mind he thinks that, you know, maybe the Elite 11 is kind of cursed. I mean, there have been some exceptions. Um going back looking at some of the the MVPs, um CJ Stroud was the MVP in 2019. Um Caleb Williams was the MVP in 2020. Um if you go back 2018, The MVP was Spencer Rattler. Um, Justin Fields was the MVP in 2017. 2016 was Tua. Trying to find an example of who. Yeah, 2015. Here we go. Boom. Come on. Shea Patterson. (laughs) Flamed out. Was not great. You know, third team, all Big Ten at one point at Michigan. Um, You know, 2014, the MVP was Blake Barnett, who went to four different schools. Um, Sean White in 2013 went to Auburn was the elite 11 MVP and the Under Armour All-America game MVP little to nothing at Auburn 2012 Ashante Woolard, who went to three different schools never really panned out um, Jameis Winston was the MVP in 2011 he was legit um, you know before that Jeff Driscoll was the elite 11 MVP in 2010 I mean there's been some some guys that have won the MVP Jake Heaps do you know where Jake Heaps went? Probably not many people do. 2008, the MVP was Aaron Murray, good quarterback. Um, you know, so there are some examples in there. 2007 was Blaine Gabbert, who was okay, <laughs> won a Super Bowl with the Bucs as a backup. But, um, you know, it was just okay. You know, he was a first-round pick, but, you know, he was just, you know, he was solid at Missouri. Um, I mean, you've got to go way back. Like John Brantley in 06 was the MVP um Stafford won it in five he's a dude um Mark Sanchez is a dude 04. um 03, Rhett Bomer was co-MVP with Matt Tuyasapopo. now we're really getting back to you know my my bread and butter here Kyle Wright a huge bust was the MVP in uh 2002 Dennis Dixon was there competed um in that elite 11. But yeah, I mean, there have been some guys that won the elite 11 and just didn't really pan out. Ben Olson was a huge bust. Um, Brody Croyle, shout out to the swoop and the chest tap won it at 2000. Um, and then in the first installment of the elite 11, Brock Berlin won in 99. Um, so yeah, don't know. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's like the, it's like the Madden cover curse. Maybe he doesn't want to go to elite 11 and, and, either get outshined or win the MVP and then, you know, not really meet expectations. Nobody really knows. He could show up in Baton Rouge and surprise us all. Um, But again, it's just, it's not just elite 11. It's just other, you know, he hasn't gone to any of these camps to throw and to, to really get out there and compete. Maybe he doesn't care about competing. Maybe he doesn't care about meeting other guys and, and, you know, mingling with other top prospects. But I just think that, you know, for a guy that competes in a small private school division in Louisiana, it would be good for him to go and not only throw to these elite receivers that are at these camps, but to throw against elite DBs and, you know, kind of, you know, see where he stacks up and, you know, go and and learn, see what you need to work on. Maybe he doesn't think he needs to learn anything. Again, my my opinion. Yeah. It's just, it's maybe that's the word. It's just weird. Um, But yeah, so I'll be there this weekend. I know Ricky Collins will be there. He's another quarterback name that's very, very under the radar. That's very interesting. Um, Marty Biagi, who is now the special teams coordinator at Ole Miss, recruited him when he was on staff at Purdue. I talk to Ricky. He will be there. I'll talk to him. It'll be interesting. I'll get his thoughts on Biagi moving over to Ole Miss and see if Ole Miss has been in touch with him. We'll have coverage from Elite 11. We'll also have more coverage throughout the weekend at on 3com Thank you for tuning in. Um, I know it's a busy weekend with March madness. So um, if you listen to this, if you squeeze this in in between some of the games, we appreciate you. We appreciate the sponsors to make the show possible. And Grayson as always appreciate you joining me.
2: It's always a pleasure. I hope you, uh, I hope the weather holds out for you. And we didn't give anyone a weather update today, but I hope the weather holds out for you down there in Baton Rouge this weekend. And, and we can see some guys sling it. And I hope for your sake and, and for the sake of, the country that Arch Manning surprises everybody throws up and balls out, shows up and balls out, not throws up.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Maybe he shows up and competes under the name March Anning. Who knows? Um, But that's going to do it for not committed. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to the sponsors for making it possible. And uh, thanks to you, the listener and to Grayson until next time we out.